part of my journey is, is I want to make sure that if there are people that have, that are, they have this journey of like exploring their sexuality and their gender, mm -hmm. and they happen to have been Anabaptist or Amish or Mennonite or Hutterite or Baptist, whatever, mm -hmm. what have you not, part of my journey is, is I want them to know they're not alone. There's life after that. And yeah. Even if your community that you thought you had, that you thought was safe, disowns you again or shuns you again, you can still have a life after that and have a happy life. Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. All right, friends, friends, it is Leo WT. If you are here on accident, welcome. I'm Leo. You should strap in for a good time. And if you're here on purpose, thanks for coming back. <laughs> I know that I am, I'm a little bit uh, out of sync time-wise with what I told you guys I was going to be today, but I'm here and I'm queer and I'm ready to have a great conversation with my new friends, Mary and James. Uh, if you, if this is your first time watching conversations, uh, quick spiel we come together regularly and intentionally to have spiritually minded conversations about life belief and the intersection of the two there's no prerequisite uh to join and everybody's welcome at the conversation our goal really is to be intentionally intersectional and interfaith and you can't do that on accident and so uh, as part of conversations i've just been bringing on diverse people with diverse beliefs and having them share their stories because one of the best ways to decolonize yourself and to de-center your narrative is to hear the narrative of others and so i asked mary and james to be on the show and they were foolish enough to join me um <laughs> so mary and james are co-hosts of a podcast um called plain rainbows Amish and Anabaptist stories. I missed a word in there. Oh. LGBTQ Amish and Anabaptist stories. Perfect. Well, since I've since I've given you that chance to interject and correct me, uh, would you mind introducing yourselves? Hello, I'm Mary. Um, I was born and raised Amish, and recently James and I were talking, and we decided to create Plain Rainbows. Yeah, um, Mary is like the perfect, she is like the yin to my yang. We are totally in sync with each other. Um, this has been a new creative endeavor for uh, both of us because this is really one of the first times that, you know, this public conversation is happening. Um, the intersection between, you know, gay and Amish. Um, I, I have written poetry and extensively about this and Mary has done other podcasts about the, uh, touching on the subject. However, this is really the first time that this has been brought into the public sphere like this. Yeah, absolutely. And Go ahead. To add to what James said, like we really wanted to bring it out um, and publish it for Pride Month because we Ooh. wanted to have something for the LGBTQ community in Pride Month. And so June 1st is when you will see your first official episode. That's so exciting, the timing of that. I feel like it's it's really important 
to have this conversation because like you said, like it's important for Amish and Anabaptist LGBTQ people to have someone to look at and say, me too. You know what I mean? I found that even when coming out within Christendom, um, I was so much more able to, to, to speak my truth and to live my life once I saw someone else who was. And so what a, what a better way to celebrate the absolute just uh, abolitionist and, 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 and protesting nature of pride than to come out and say, like, we're here and we're Amish and queer. You know what I mean? Like, whatever that means. Like, it's not fair that you should have to come, like, even if your experience with your religion or, or your community is terrible, it's still your community, right? Mm-hmm. And it's still a part of your heritage and to have people that you can speak to and f- share inside jokes, talk about things and not have to explain it all. I can, that's so validating, you know? And, well, and, speaking, and speaking of our heritage, you know, specifically <laughs> our, our queer heritage, you know, I, I'm thinking of, you know, it was recently Harvey Milk Day and I was thinking of Harvey Milk and, you know, his vision was that, you know, all LGBTQ people, wherever they are, in whatever place they are, in whatever culture they are, can come out safely and in a yeah. loving environment. That was mm-hmm. really his vision. And that includes, you know, Amish. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's wildly powerful. And I I feel like, to be honest, people don't know a ton about Amish folks, right? They don't know. um, I I, I was telling you guys before we started recording, but, you know, I mentioned that I was bringing a Mennonite friend on and people were like, oh, I get my donuts from them. Y'all, their, their food is so good. They built my shed, you know, Um, and, and, and no, no tea, no shade against those people. I'm not trying to pick fun at anybody, but I'm just saying like, people don't really know much about the Anabaptist branch off of Protestantism. Um, and I think that you, the further you get from Protestantism, the generally the less educated the average American person is on the topic because America is just so Christian first, you know? Um, so- It's very strange when your religion is also a tourist attraction. It's very, very strange. It's also very strange when your religion is literally so close-minded that, like, you don't even talk to those people. You know, those lesbians on the corner? You don't even talk to them. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the other, right? Like, and, yeah, they're the other. And, like, another thing, like, you were talking about people don't know much about the Anabaptists and the heritage you bring up heritage and I immediately think about this thing like James and I have had many conversations about this is all Anabaptists originated from the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're all inherently Catholic. Exactly. That's, and people are trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like Catholic yeah. meant the whole church. Like that that's the meaning of the word Catholic, right? Like <laughs> and and so an interesting thing is is like I actually attended a Catholic church after I got out of the Amish church mm-hmm. and I didn't attend church anymore. And and they they still have some similar practices and yeah. that's the irony of it is like they still have similar practices and I'm like y'all are you're killing me here yeah you're walling out with your binary divisions and such I feel like this is what interests me about queer theology is the fact that we share so much common heritage and we're all like let me stay in this little box you know what I mean mm-hmm. 
So I have to ask a question, and I'm just going to toss this out to both of you folks. But for me, uh, as part of my coming out narrative, um, as coming out from evangelicalism, right, I came out as a lesbian, and then I'm just such a sucker that I came out two more times. Like, I got to have three coming out stories because I'm that extra. Uh, but, but when I came out, initially as a lesbian I didn't know I knew I was different but I did I didn't I literally did not have the words for it because of my context um what was it like to realize your queerness with within um your Amish you know setting like what was that like because for me it was really really hard because like I knew I was I knew I was not the same but 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 there was there was no other option you know well okay so like for coming out, you know, it's kind of like um, when we come out, it's that's something that we do continuously, like over and over and over again, depending on who we meet and who we're comfortable uh, with sharing our truth, you know? So when we make new friends or, you know, new coworkers that True. we're cool with or, or whatever, we're coming out again and again. Yeah. So for me, for, for me personally, coming out was to the people that I felt safe with. And that was usually friends like outside of my Amish environment, away from from the you know the conservative uh, mindset of my family. Okay. okay, that makes sense. So you kind of started um, you started outside of that Christian circle or outside of that that Amish circle, which I guess you know now that you're saying that that makes sense to me too because I I knew that the further away it was from that circle, <laughs> the better chance it was of having anybody understand. You know, well. As I told you, like I was five and I told my parents I was going to grow up and marry a woman and the torture that I went through for 15 years, which included child sexual assault, beatings, um, physical harm, all kinds of things. I would highly not suggest uh, doing that, but I was five. I didn't know any better. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I was just, I saw a beautiful woman and I followed her around the shop and I wanted to grow up and marry her. Yeah. I still think women of that type are beautiful and attractive and that's just the thing absolutely so what happened is I tried to be straight after that Mm. that did not work out so well Um, I I had to come out again I'm so shitty at being straight like it just I'm not good at it (laughs) (laughs) even my house is crooked I'll let you know that right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I just I can't get my head around it you know um, and I, it's so interesting that you that you mentioned that, Mary, because, you know, I don't think that I've come to a place in my thinking where I don't think that you have to be made gay for gay to be a valid identity. Like, I think if you were to choose to love who you wanted to love, that that's valid. But I would like to point out that for myself, I also had an instinctual moment of attraction like that that helped me understand my orientation. Um, Part of my story is that I actually went through three exorcisms um, and they were either really (laughs) shitty exorcisms or they were so good. Praise the Lord, I'm a man. (laughs) Right? Totally works. Yeah, it totally worked. (laughs) But um, I was at the mall right after the third exorcism and a beautiful woman walked by and I just like, I just followed her with my It was like, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, and in that moment, I was like, I knew it. I knew that that was, I I didn't make that conscious choice to look at that woman. Like that was the moment for me where I knew it was something late, like 
in my DNA on some level. So I don't think that that has to be everybody's narrative, but for me, I just, it was an, it was in an, it was, it was there. Yep. Absolutely. So kind of like I, I lived as a straight person for a while. I ended up having Mm -hmm. a child and Mm -hmm. when my child was small, um, one of my friends came out as, um, what was um, gender fluid. Okay. And we had this very interesting conversation about it. And I realized that I am non-binary at that moment. Mm-hmm. I never really came out, came out as that. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's just been really interesting. However, comma pause, um, a couple of years later, I ended up coming out as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And that was a very different experience. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I had a I have a brother that is is also not conforming to the Amish church. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started seeing my wife, um, he told me we're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And um, we basically haven't spoken since then. Yeah. And one of my um, now the people that I'm around in real life all the time, like those people were safe to come out to, and they were mm-hmm. great and they were amazing. I came out to one of my other um, ex-Amish relatives, mm-hmm. and she told every single born Amish person that I knew, and they all, like, deleted me out of their life. Oh, yeah. And so part of my journey is, is I want to make sure that if there are people that have, that are, they have this journey of, like, exploring their sexuality and their gender, mm-hmm. and they happen to have been Anabaptist or Amish or Mennonite or Puterite or Baptist, whatever, mm-hmm. what have you not, part of my journey is, is I want them to know they're not alone. There's life after that. And yeah. even if your community that you thought you had, that you thought was safe, disowns you again or shuns you again you can still have a life after that and have a happy life yeah yeah and it and I feel like for me I don't want to talk so much about myself but but I'm having so many interesting thoughts here because from what I understand of the Amish uh, like experience of being shunned or shunning um like that's not an evangelical practice but in practice that's that's very much what it felt like for me because I was so steeped in Christendom you know and and it's everything it is your whole sociology it is your relationships it is you know it can be your sense of vocation it is your family it is your friends it is the places you shop like it's from what I understand of Amish life um it's it's very much kind of encapsulated and and that's how my experience of evangelicalism was and so to come out wasn't just say hey i'm gay it was like you're gonna probably lose it all you know um and and i think that that's something that i was really thinking about in coming into conversation with both of you james what was what was your experience like coming out did you and mary share proximity geographically or did you meet later in life and like you know what was your story a little bit like uh, yeah, we're both we're both from uh, here in in the Midwest. I'm okay. from um, South, originally from southwestern Michigan. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, I met Mary later on. Um, but but um, yeah, it's like a specific example. See, my you know, I never had a problem 
being gay. It was everybody around me had a problem and everybody mm. knew before I did. Like I didn't have the vocabulary, you know, I didn't understand <laughs> yeah. what they knew. Yeah. And so an example of this, an, an example of this is, you know, because, you know, the Amish are, um, <laughs> they're a closed community mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's, there's, I, I don't know, is it like, I think the population right now is what, 330,000 Amish? I, I, I could be off, it's I don't know. But... somewhere between 330,000 Amish to 500,000, I think, James. Oh, wow. If okay. you look at the, yeah, yeah, if you look at the Young Center for Anabaptist Studies, I believe it's somewhere. In the United, in the continental in United, United States, States, States or the whole world? United States, I think. Okay. The, the United States, yes. Um, but a- a- anyways, um, so, you know, yeah, everybody knew I was gay before I did. And I, I have this distinct memory <laughs> of going to the grocery store with my ex-Amish sister. And, you know, the Amish community is white. You do not see people of color mm. ever, like mm-hmm. ever. Maybe if you're in like Lancaster or Shipshawana or one of the Amish communities that really caters to tourists, Mm-hmm. You may, but no, for for the most part, uh, nope. yeah, you're really, you, you don't. So okay. anyway, I see my first black man and he, he's beautiful and tall and he looks like a basketball player. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm staring and my, my sister's like, James, close your mouth, stop staring. And, you know, um, <laughs> that's an example of people knowing before I did edit. Well, it and, was and, awful, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and do people realize, like, do you do people realize like the the kind of like the way that many Amish churches look at black people? No, feel free to share. I my knowledge of like the Amish faith and culture is limited, and that's another reason why I wanted to bring you folks on. I was like, let's let's learn about let's like let's learn about this, but let's talk to some queers too. Like, let's yes. do that. Yes. The, the Amish come from a, like you know are literally from the 16th century, and that includes their worldviews on like everything. Okay, uh-huh. so it pretty much just didn't evolve from there. Right. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um. Did your community ever talk about black people, James? Um, yeah, I don't think uh, we 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 ever had that conversation, like ever. Like there so was they no were reason. just non-existent, right? Right, right. They were just the outside world, right? Part of the sinful outside world. Right. See, and and my parents had told me that black people were cursed with the mark of Cain. No, I just read about okay, okay. Cool. I read this. Um, I I was tra- yeah, I was trying to kind of learn uh, because I understand that the, the Bible was used to justify slavery for so long. And so I was kind of trying to see where that where that came from, uh, because I, I know preachers were preaching racism. It's not a new thing to the 21st century, in case anyone who wonders. they preaching racism now. They s- preached it back then. That's another episode. But um, there's actual, like, they use that Mark of Cain and Mark of Ham um, references from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament, to justify slavery. And they, like, they're using biblical language to justify this. And that is just... That's atrocious. It's atrocious. It's mind blowing. It's awful, and, yeah. and it's so unhelpful. Like for me, 
um, I, I had to learn about like cultures. And when I learned about different cultures, it really opened my eyes as to like, we are all just human beings put yeah. on earth and, you know, whatever paths, sometimes those paths may intersect, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. those paths intersect for a while and then they diver- divide again and that's okay yeah. too. Yeah, so, absolutely. So what comes to my mind is like the Amish, you know, the Amish are a people that are separated from their homeland because mm-hmm. of their immigration. You know, genetically, the, like the Amish, they belong in the Swiss Alps. They belong in the French country. They belong in Europe. You know, they're, that, that, that's their original homeland, you know. Okay. And when the people are separated from their homeland, you know, it's generational trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And the Amish do suffer from historical trauma. And, you know, their practice of non-engagement with the world. Mm-hmm. that during world war ii when all the the horrible things were happening mm-hmm. um amish literally stood by and did nothing mm-hmm. yeah how is, that, how is that even christian you know when you won't even speak up yeah well and and you know that's the other thing is they they use that conscientious objector term and and yet there's so much violence that happens in their homes and in their mm-hmm that never there's never any resolution to it and i i find it like i have a really hard time wrapping my brain around this it's like you're a conscientious objector and you have that conscientious objector status because you're amish and that's what you do Mm -hmm. um but yet there's so much violence in the form of like domestic violence child sexual assault um beatings physical abuse like just all kinds of stuff and and not to mention the psychological trauma and the generational trauma Mm -hmm. i i can't really wrap my brain around that like how can you be a conscientious objector but yet over here there's all of these things yeah they yeah it would seem very they would seem like very uh dissonant ideas right like they don't they don't they don't connect so you're like you're against that violence but you're not against this violence how are you drawing that line you know like you're against yes you're against that violence but you're you're all for spare the rod spoil the child and children have died because of that theology Yeah. yeah that 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 has to be an that has to be a, a, an all-consuming like thought in your brain. Like, how do we? How do you hold both of those things? You know, I just don't see how it's possible for me. It's impossible to hold those two thoughts. Yes, I I for I would have to say for me it is as well. Especially when you think of like in terms of like you know talking specifically about like bringing up kids and stuff. Like for me, that's that's a part of the conversation when we're talking about nonviolence. Like that's, I can't just, I can't tell my kid you're not, you can't hit somebody when you're mad at them, but then I'm going to spank you after you've done something wrong. Like those things are not separatable, especially in a child's brain, in my opinion. And if you're stuck in that sort of, um, like just kind of cessationist worldview where you haven't had dialogue and friction around that area of course it's going to keep existing you know but yeah um so let me give you a scenario so it's common practice to put a baby in a high chair and then they do a silent prayer before they eat uh-huh. so 
often they will like they'll even preach about this is they'll they'll hold the baby's hands under the, the, the table on the high chair and while they pray and if the baby removes their hands the idea is that they should now spank the baby mm. and and that's something like i said i can't i can't it just can't reconcile the two can't reconcile yeah absolutely not those things don't those things don't go together right they're a baby like that's that's a baby a baby doesn't know any like they're developing they're forming they're like they just don't know yeah i have a question is it is it in your lived experience right with your expert knowledge of of being amish that i simply don't have you know what i mean would it be possible for someone to come out and retain an Amish identity? <laughs> what kind of delusions are you holding? <laughs> well, I don't know because see, sometimes like yeah. there's like a movement of people who've come out no. and still want to be Christian, right? It's, no. it's completely incompatible. Right now, where it is, um, and I and I just like had some really, yeah, nope, I'm. I was reassured that those lines are still there. There is everything is still present. They're still teaching directly against like sexual deviations such mm -hmm. as homo homosexuality. And mm -hmm. it, it is very much not possible for somebody to come out and still retain their Amish status. Like they will, they might be able to still dress Amish and go to church, but they will be shunned. Mm -hmm. They will be an outcast. And there's not enough of a cultural conversation around Amish LGBTQ people to like have a reclamation movement, right? Like there's nothing, is there, is there anything the from conversation that, that they have around homosexuality is legitimately, it's a sin and it's, it's Satan attacking you. And, you know, yeah. this is, this is wrong. You're an abomination. Yeah. Right. The, the Amish have a really fundamentalist, black and white, you know, unbe unbelievably medieval outlook, you know, in terms of religion, like Christianity, it, it's, it's really, really, really old fashioned and backwards. Yeah. So it's, it's basically to the point where like, I feel like some of Christianity and some of Catholicism, and I would, I would think even some of Islam, right. Uh, and Judaism are moving to a point where there's been enough, enough cultural conversation that there are people who are like, nope, I'm Jewish and, and gay, or I'm, you know, Muslim and gay, or I'm Christian and gay. And there are people who there's enough cultural conversation happening amongst those people to like have a pocket, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, I always, I always wonder, like, what is it about Christianity that I want to hold on to, right? Because there's something that I want to hold on to. Is there, like, do you think that there's something from your Amish, like, existence that you would want to come together with other Amish people around? Or for you, is it just like, I'm, this is just no, not me anymore? <laughs> you, you want to, you want to go first on that one, Mary? <laughs> I've struck a chord. <laughs> Okay, well, see, I learned how to cook, bake, sew, um, garden, you know, mm. keep a house, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But there's also like this extreme like anxiety about the housekeeping. I actually did a mm. podcast about that. Okay. Um, but as far as, you know, baking and sewing, I like being artistic. Mm -hmm. It's a form of creative expression. Yeah. yeah. Um, I recently have made a quilt that is kind of a come to, I don't know. 
I don't want to say a come to Jesus moment, but it's kind of like a reckoning. Like, <laughs> right, so right. The story, so story behind the quilt is, is that I have made a quilt with my egg donor when I was a teenager. Mm. And when I had um, become nonconforming, I had asked her for that quilt. And she gave me a quilt off a perpetrator's bed instead. Mm. And so I always felt like I didn't deserve a quilt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having a conversation with a friend of mine who was like, you know, you deserve a quilt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never even thought about this. Like literally, I, cause I sew, I really do enjoy creating things and sewing. That is a form of expression for me. I do paintings. Um, so I, I made a Lone Star pride quilt. Ooh. It's, it's oh. on our Facebook page, but that quilt, um, the background fabric is called Abandoned because that's something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly imperfect. Yeah, yeah. And quilts, like, quilts are pretty symbolic, I feel like, too. Like, I, I'm not Amish, but for me, like, my grandma makes quilts, and, like, that was... Uh, almost a part of like like our family heritage, right? Like it was. It's not like it's not like oh, just a blanket, right? It's more. No, it's it's much. It's much more, right? Well, you put something of yourself into that art that you're creating because it mm-hmm. really is art. Whatever you're creating, like you put so much energy into it, and you put so much effort into it, and you have to find the right fabrics and the mm-hmm. threads and the, you know all the things like the batting for quilts you have to have the right kind of batting and then you you put the binding on and that's the final culmination of this quilt it's currently laying on my bed by the way guys you totally deserve a quilt is a thing yes and and that's something that i i've done a lot with like embracing things that i really like like i love baking Mm -hmm. i will bake some really wonderful things that I really greatly enjoy but they're really bad for me so they're sad be right over (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait (laughs) we'll sit under the quilt and eat baked goods and talk about being gay (laughs) okay sounds like a plan right it sounds like a party to me man (laughs) oh I would love that or we could sit out and back listen and to that fire. and listen to that worldly sinful disco beat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot all about the music. Okay, <laughs> you gotta watch out with the music. The devil's coming straight for you, man. In the evangelical world, that they spun off this whole branch of Christian contemporary music, like it has its own acronym, CCM. And literally, for the goal was, especially in the early two thousands, for every Christian or for every secular band there was, there was a Christian band that you could listen to so it's like if you listen to blink 182 you should listen to mxpx or like that was just all this okay so if you listen to metallica and slipknot who should you listen to well they would have argued they would have argued back in the day it would have been like skillet or under oath there's some (laughs) i was in a christian metal (laughs) band like i was there my kids are always like did you scream jesus and i said no but i did scream satan i rebuke you into the microphone 
Yeah, I don't know. And it's it's weird. It, it's, it's so weird because it was obviously just like a bastard version. But you could see that there was like an element of like, for me personally, I was like, I want to fit in. And I don't fit in. Like, I don't have the cultural touch points. I don't, I, we didn't have TV, cell phone or internet. And we could only call people that lived in our town, which was a town of a thousand people. So not, not, mu- I didn't have much exposure to the outside world, especially when I was in high school. Um, I was mostly just church, youth group school, you know what I mean? And that was it. And so I wanted to fit in and I wanted to have that cultural touch point. But in so many ways, evangelicalism kept me from that, you know. James, is there any, uh, is there, for you, is there any elements of like your Amish existence that you um, refuse to give up or that you want to retain, uh, you know, even and make it, hold it in both hands with your queerness? Let's put it that way. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, um, you know, the, the Amish, when, you know, you leave the Amish or you're not a part of the Amish, um, you know, you, they take, they, they take away your spiritual, um, identity, really, um, and so for me, you know, embracing my queerness, embracing my Amish identity, both of them equally, you know, um, like Mary's talking about her, her artistic talents, you know, quilting, Mm -hmm. for me, it was writing, um, Mm -hmm. I, I remember going, you know, struggling to look for like a book about gay Amish as a teenager, like not really putting it together, but kind of putting it together and not finding, of course, anything. But I did find Oscar Wilde and James Baldwin and Gore Vidal and Truman Capote and Tennessee mm-hmm. Williams and so many other, you know, writers and poets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my lifeline, the public library. Right. So, uh, you know, to and you know, you're born a writer. So, um, yeah, um, literature and 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 one thing I like to point out to people is, you know, when you look at like the canon of American literature, you don't find any Amish voices. Right. Right. That's a huge, I mean, that's a huge problem, even within higher education right now is the colonization of higher education, right? Like are white people, the only people that wrote shit down like no get yourself together higher education we shouldn't need a caribbean literatures class we shouldn't need an african literature class it should be all a literature class right and so for you it sounds like part of part of your amish identity was just refusing to to give up the fact that you were amish right like I think that for so long, people wanted to argue if you could be gay and Christian, that they were missing the whole point. Because I was like, hi, like you can argue what you want to do about it. You can argue what you want to do about me. You can you can argue this, that, and the other, but you literally cannot say I don't exist because I'm here. <laughs> like I'm here, I'm Christian and gay, deal with it. You know, like, and for the longest time, that was the first phase of my coming out was like, oh, this is what I am. Um, and I had to accept that. And then it was what I could do with it. But like your identity is valid in so much as you, you fucking exist. I hope Facebook doesn't take me down for dropping the F-bomb, but your identity is valid in so much as you're Amish and gay. Like you don't know, they're, they're forgetting that no one else has to approve of you actually existing because you exist, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not there. Yeah. And they're not. And maybe this is part of what you're doing, though, is you are able to say, hi, I'm Amish and gay. And then you know what happens? It's like you're at a family reunion, right? And like, 
I don't always, my family is crazy a lot of the times, but I still go in. And so I always imagine that like, I'm the crazy person that they wish wouldn't come back, but like, I'm still here. I'm still your family and I'm still gay. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm putting it out there. So like, I'm still here and I'm Amish and gay, like do what you want. You can excommunicate me. You can shun me, but you cannot fundamentally make me not exist. Sorry. You yep. don't have that power. That's a fact. And we're that here is and why. We're clear, right. Yep. Right. They don't own us. They don't right. own who we are. Um, and that's why um, I, I think James had shared a Facebook post about, or no, uh, he wrote a blog about it because I attended an Amish Abuse Awareness Conference. Mm -hmm. And I went as me. Mm -hmm. And I wore a suit. Mm -hmm. I, I covered all of my tattoos. And, you know, I, I tried to be respectful. But if they could have kicked me out of a public venue, they would have. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the thing is, is I am me. You're not going to do this to me. It is mm -hmm. a public place. I am allowed in public spaces. Mm -hmm. I am the public. You're yeah. Welcome. And I'm Amish and I endured abuse. Come at me. You cannot, you can <laughs> dislike what I look like, but fundamentally I fit the criteria. <laughs> Like, I just, I'm so, it's so, it's so interesting because as you, as you folks talk, it seems a lot like, um, I feel like every religion on some, is on some process towards dealing with their relationship to queerness. And it just seems like yours, your, you know, for Amish folks, it's, it's as far back as, as Amish culture is, right? And so, whereas, you know, in the early 1900s, um, if you really look, there were queer people coming out then as early like there are queer people coming out and so like the church is just now finally reckon you know reconciling to that so you folks are just a couple steps further back where you're like i i, I exist that's where i'm at you know <laughs> yep and people need to see us exist james mm -hmm. they and don't you. own our truth right right that's a that's really a great thing about the podcast is you know for the first time we can have a public conversation um you know um ourselves and it's it's really been so amazing to have this experience because i run a whole other um podcast as well mm -hmm. um, but having this one with james helping me with it and and collaborating has been a really wonderful thing um the the stories that we're recording uh, these people have went through a ton of different experiences, but mm -hmm. fundamentally, they all are finally like they're in a space where they feel like they want to be able to help and and spiritually help people who are Anabaptists and struggling. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super excited. And every time we record an episode, I kind of am like, oh, my God, can we release it like right now? I do the same oh, no. thing. This is why I do a I live show because I can't hold on to it. Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, like I just, I want to do this now. I want this information to be out there because people need to know. <laughs> so so for, for our first episode, we did release one early and it's an introduction to transgender people and how to be an ally. Mm -hmm. And we have a fab... Mm -hmm. She yeah, I amazing. I listened to that today as I was uh, as I was working out at the gym. I was like, I'm gonna do some some listening here. So it was a great conversation, you know. And I I feel like that's the thing. 
that's the the first way to dismantle bigotry and hatred and regression is to just exist, right? Uh, I think it's Audra Lord who uh, was a black lesbian. And she said, you know, my existence is an act of political warfare. And I feel like I hate using war metaphors because Christians are so married to them and it's just, ew, gross. Yeah. Can't you do anything without fighting? Um, But I love, I love that (laughs) idea where she said, just me existing, boom. Like I'm just going to proudly exist. And that's the first wave of ripples outward. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what you folks are doing in the Amish and Anabaptist communities. Well, we're trying. Right? It and seems small, right? We're trying. We definitely get, you know, um, we don't get like a ton of like pushback, like in terms of just direct negative attention. But, you know, there's definitely a wall of silence. Uh, yeah. And to those people who are just silent, Here's what I tell you. Your silence is deafening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a to, to Desmond Tutu quote. One of my favorite quotes in the whole world is to remain uh, neutral in times of oppression is to side with the oppressor. Right. And, and so unfortunately or fortunately, there's a bit of a reckoning. It sounds like, you know, within the Amish community, like, are you going to be the one that just doesn't shun me? Like, are you going to be the one that just loves me? Or are you not? Around the issue, for sure. Right. Well, yeah, I, I do feel, um, Mary, you can add on to this, but I do feel that there is a day of reckoning happening within the Amish communities. Mm-hmm. And it may not be, you know, like a, an overnight thing, but mm-hmm. it's... it's. Well, I feel like it's rising. It's mm-hmm. it's coming. It's happening. It's It's going to happen anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that happens in my lifetime or not, I don't know. I just hope we fundamentally have laid a solid groundwork for that to continue happening. The dawn. And, and it right. will happen. It has to happen. I mean, if you think about a, 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 a spiritual community of the size of your community, you know, we're saying like between 300 and 500,000, like you are going to be able to make bigger changes within the Amish world than I could ever make within Christendom, right? If you just look at me as a percentage of the whole, you're a bigger percentage of a smaller whole. And I feel like the the work that you're doing has to be um, like absolutely groundbreaking, just by existing right because you're a way bigger part of a way smaller whole which gives you more impact and it's not it probably i, I can guarantee 100 percent it's not going to be fun because <laughs> it's like ne- never we never get to do the fun shit okay that's why we get a parade because the rest of it is just slogging through the shit oh my god <laughs> but but you're doing it you know like you're you're doing it right now and i i I'm really encouraged by what you folks are doing. Like, that's just awesome. (laughs) Well, I just think that it is possible to be spiritual. It is possible to be religious. It is possible to be at some form of spiritual peace and Mm -hmm. still be queer, LGBTQ, whatever it is. Exactly. It is. Accept yourself. And it takes a lot of of self-affirmations for me. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of self-affirmations and writing and all of that like because it really helps me be okay with who I am 
Yeah. Well, especially when you're grew, you grew up in an environment where you were told just you aren't. It wasn't it wasn't even an explanation or a conversation. It was just you aren't like they were just going to you're just not gay. You just yeah. aren't. And so you have to continually allow yourself to be validated in in all of the complexities of your identity. Yep. Right. And, you know, I always say this about people is everybody has different spiritual journeys. Mm -hmm. And what fulfills one person may not fulfill somebody else. But here's the thing is when you find things that fulfill you, as long as it isn't hurting somebody else. Right. Yep. Do them. Do Who it. cares? Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. the person right. Right. that has to be at peace with yourself when you go to sleep at night. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Is there anything that, uh, and this is, all, all of these questions that I throw out are open to either of you, because I'm really genuinely curious. Is there anything that you miss from your Amish identity that you feel like you can't have now that you're queer? Because I know for me, there's a lot of things that I miss and I'm, I'm, I don't miss the reason underneath them. I am not in that space theologically, but if I hear a certain hymn, like I'll still get goosebumps, you know what I mean? If I hear a song that was important to me when I was young, regardless of the fact that I theologically am not in the same place, like that's still my heritage. And part of where I'm at right now in my own healing is like, yup, that's mine, can't take it from me. You know what I mean? Like th the church can can be whatever they gotta be, but the, the, re the fact of the reality is I can still cite the doxology backwards and forwards and I can sing it as well with my soul off the top of my head. You know what I mean? And that's mine and no one can take it. Is there anything about like, you know, that your upbringing that you kind of have that connection to, even if you're not still in that place, you know, anything that you miss or love or you want to retain right right um <clears throat> well i guess for me it would be you know um within the amish there's various types of amish and there's like the old order amish and there's been more conservative branch branch of amish known as the sports and troopers but uh my my father um was like a, it's like seven generations or something, but you know he was a direct descendant of someone, you know, one of the founding fathers of of the Amish, you know. Um, and so for me, um, my father's family, who I got to to visit when I was uh, really really young, and I heard like the Swiss yodeling mm -hmm. and the Swiss dialect spoken, and there was a lot of, you know, a certain fun loving um, camaraderie, I guess, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so uh, that sort of stays with you over the years, you know? For sure, for sure. I have that same sense of like, I miss that camaraderie, right? Like I don't miss what we were all coming together around, but like I miss youth group or I miss, you know, like dinner after church. I miss seeing these people that I cared about on a right, knowing I was going to see them every Sunday. Like there's something about that. That's part of who I am, you know? And I do, like you said, it gets in you young and you do, you do miss it. Right. Oh, right. So but I, I, I do have a fun postscript for you, which is that my first book, um, The Literary Party, Growing Up Gay and Amish in America, mm -hmm. um, it's a collection of poetry. Um, <clears throat> it is housed, a, co a, a paperback copy is housed at the International Museum of Friendship in Switzerland. That's so cool. That's so dope. How did you, how did that happen? 
Uh, well, when they first founded, they were asking for submissions and, you know, that's my heritage. So we, I made the connection and um, yeah, they have my book and a poem at the museum. That's so cool, man. Also, um, when we get to the end, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your book. So keep that in your brain. Is there is there anything like coming to your mind as we're talking about this, Mary? Let's see. The idea that you can have a community that would get together and do quiltings. But here's the thing is like the quiltings were really, they were gossip this. Mm -hmm. Hey, we all love, sometimes like we love a gossip fest. Why do we like Real Housewives? Why do we like reality shows, right? Yeah, right. But like, it's really dumb, but I miss the quiltings. Yeah. No, that's not dumb at all. Because see, I think to me, I think what people don't realize, um, I, I think Amish folks might realize this because of the totality, right, of your society. Mm -hmm. But I think that people don't realize how much, um, these things that we do as a part of religion are also our culture so like for yes. me i don't know what ethnicity i am i have no clue i asked my parents and they were like we're white and i was like that bro that's not a thing like that's a that's not a thing race is a social construct whole nother video but um like what where did we come from and i have a real sense of disenfranchisement because like i want to know my heritage and i don't know and so for me the church culture is my main cultural touch point. And so yep. for me, that's why it was such a big kick to the nads to have to yeah. leave that, right? It was like a kick to the nuts. Like you can't have, not only can you not come to church in the future, but you can't even have your past. And so I've spent 10 years learning that I can have as much of my past as I want. Man, I hope you find the gayest quilting circle ever. I hope you find that. <laughs> I hope you find the gayest quilting circle that's like, you're Amish and gay? Cool. Pull up a needle. You know what I mean? That would be really cool. I've actually been talking about making a quilting circle with some other people, but like, yeah. we all live in various parts of the country, so that would be like, logistically a nightmare. It's like, no, you, I got it. It's a Zoom-based We can do a Zoom quilting circle. Yeah. It's a Zoom-based <laughs> bitchin stitch. Amish welcome. <laughs> I think that those things are so important, though, because at the end of the day, uh, Mary, you had tipped your hat earlier before we started recording about having experienced uh, going out and experiencing different religions and how there is so <laughs> much similarity, right? Yeah. Um, and I've come to refer to myself as spiritually non-binary, which I, I, I'm making it up. It's me. If anyone else uses that, you've got to pay me, right? But I've come to refer to myself as spiritually non-binary because like I can appreciate these beautiful touchstones of culture and morality and art and language and music that come from different religious communities. And I think it's beautiful instead of scary, you know? I'm there. Yeah. I, th I think yes that that was so beautifully said thank you so much for 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 putting that out there because you know i i can completely relate to that you know i can walk into a synagogue or yeah. a mosque or a catholic church with a certain sense of wonder and awe and you know yeah. there there's no barrier between me and my own um personal relationship with the divine yes 
Absolutely. I will not give that up. I, and I've talked to people who are the, or who are atheists and I don't feel, I don't feel any disconnect there because we can still talk about those ethereal, intangible things that connect us. And like, some of the most beautiful moments that I've had was um, a couple years ago, I was working for the newspaper in town here and I got to do a photo series and then I got to write. I was actually a photojournalist, so I didn't get to write all the time, but I did a photo and a series and a series of articles where I went to, uh, during the holy month, I went to uh, a Jewish uh, Passover Seder. I went to a Ramadan, like a breaking of the fast at, a, at the local mosque, which is a, it's a miracle we have a mosque in a town my size, it's very small. Um, but then I also went to a Catholic Easter service and an evangelical service, and I wrote about all of them. And that integration of them to me felt so um, like holy. And it was that was a big part in my sort of deconstruction from evangelicalism was like, yeah, it's all connected. It's all connected, you know, um, and I respect that our cultures are different, but we really do have a lot to major on that's similar. Have you ever heard of a book called Lost Connections by Johan Harry? I haven't. I'm feeling like I should. <laughs> it's a really, I really, really, really love the book because it delves into like, what do humans desire and what causes like depression and anxiety and et cetera. And it's a feeling of disconnect. Like we humans need to be connected and it kind of talks about that. Yeah. I've really have enjoyed the book. I've listened to it on Audible a couple times now, um, but it's been really helpful for me. I need to I need to look into that. I currently am working on, like I mentioned, I, I'm hoping to do my PhD in queer theology, and I I started. I've already started. So don't take this idea or I'll bite your fingers off. Anybody, that's not just to you guys, like anybody. But I want to oh. I want to write a book about the idea of queering the church Some because there is. Might Right, they might. <laughs> I'm not here to judge, um, but but I want to write a book about the idea of queering church because there's something that draws humans over and over and over again to these ridiculously flawed you institutions. Start, you could start with John Donne's sonnets. That okay. would be good. Okay. Um, no, but you know, like, yeah, you know, I think you you make me think of Oscar Wilde and his letter De Profundis which mm -hmm. is a free ebook you can get online. And it's a letter he wrote to his lover when he was in prison. And it's mm -hmm. from the depths of his soul. And, you know, the writing is so beautiful and so powerful and so moving. It's yeah. this meditation on grief and beauty. And it completely destroys me every time I read it. So Deep <sighs> Profunda by Oscar Wilde, just throwing that out there. I'm going to have to check that out. There is, it, uh, to me, there is something. There is this intangible thing, right? Or this something more than just natural, right? That exists. And, and people somehow crave that. And I don't, it doesn't fit in the same words that I used to understand it in, but it still exists, right? Like, look at us right now. We come from super different backgrounds, right? I could not have, I always tell people I double fisted the Christian Kool-Aid. Like I just double fisted it, right? Um, and, and you guys grew up in a, in a very cloistered, like Amish setting. And we're still having a conversation about the same thing. Like if there's no more proof needed than that to me, that there's something tying us together, right? Yeah, that's because 
humans crave that feeling of connection. Yeah. And when you can find a common ground to unite on, that's when you feel connected to people. Mm-hmm. I, and then I, you I, feel united in your efforts, yeah. like you're not alone. Yeah. And that makes you feel less loneliness. You, you yeah. suffer less from loneliness. Yeah. And I think right. that for people coming out of really cloistered environments, that is essential. Right. I went from looking for a book on gay Amish to having instant group conversations with gay Amish. I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, seriously. Like that is that is like an active, like holy revolution, if, if I can be allowed to use those terms. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let's talk about how blessed we are today. Because, James, haven't we talked to more ex-Anabaptist and gay or queer people in, like, the last month than we have ever talked to? Ever, ever. Ever! Yeah, yeah. Ever! We're, we're We're finding ourselves. We are. Yeah, that's huge because, like, you're not alone. Like, the Amish church can say whatever they want to say, but you're like literally look at us we're here and there's more than just two uh you got kicked out too that's cool come join our game right exactly we got you back yeah and suddenly it's like it's like all of a sudden you go from a man with a flag to a man with no flag and and that's a disorienting thing but for you to be able to in whatever level give people their flag back is that's a that's a spiritual practice right that's what you might not know you might know it you might not but like that's pastoral right that's that's the aspiration of any social work right there is to give people their flag back right and you're doing that like i can't I, i really can't wait to hear the stories that you guys have because i feel like this is a completely untapped field you know it is it is and you know like going going back to like i said about uh like you know no amish in in american literature like you know you go to any bookstore and you're gonna find a ton of books written um about us but not by us okay let's talk about the books written about us yeah please do much like started on the romance novel much like james i can't even i looked for lesbian amish stories Uh not none yeah 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 none and if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are in anabaptist lesbian or an ex-anabaptist lesbian please contact us we would love to have you on our podcast yeah and at least have some kind of lesbian representation yeah we would really 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 love you um but anyway so they i i did not find any there is nothing and because of James, there is the the uh, the poetry aspect and some letters and stuff that is out there for ex-Amish um, gay men, but mm-hmm. I haven't found much or like anything at all about lesbian stuff, and that is really saddening to me because I'm a big reader and I love reading. Yeah, I've read Absolutely. over a hundred books this year. 
Oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's, that's, it's so interesting that you say there's a lot of books written about us, but not by us. And I feel like that's, you know, very characteristic of the colonizer mentality. Um, and of this like idea of the doctrine of discovery that started Christianity was like, we're going to come in and tell you about yourselves, you know, like we're here to say all you. about you. Exactly. I know all about you. Exactly. And you know what? James, I'm going to get you started. The romance no. novels. Okay, so here's the thing about the romance novels. And it is literally written by these... Beverly Lewis is one, the most popular one. She is so famous. And she's mm -hmm. written all these Christian novels about the Amish people. And they're like so awful because then what happens is like you get people who read these books and they're like i want to be amish yeah. and i'm like <laughs> yeah well you don't really you don't really know homie yeah you you know the the whole genre is is really really sad and badly oh written my God. I, yeah. I can't i can't i just and it's all fiction. There's no artistic value. There's no artistic value. No, there's no, no artistic value. It's all fiction. And another thing that people do with that is they will say, well, your story is not really true because that's not what it says in my, my novel that I read. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're confusing facts with fiction. Yeah. And, that's and, and if you really want to verify my story, I can give you the link to the, the registered sex offender list, the court cases, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Go ahead. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, hi, actually Amish here. Like, I don't yes. really, I don't think you get to debate me, right? I don't, I don't think, yeah, exactly like that. Do you think that there is an element of, so there, there really are books about Amish people. There are documentaries about Amish people, but I don't see them coming from Amish people. Do you think that, <laughs> right? Like, do you think, is it a technology thing? Is there no desire to be known by the outside world? Like, what is it that keeps that disconnect? Well, the Amish separate themselves from the world, first off. Like, they call us English people, or like, me and right. James are Abgefallene, or Abgangne, or Missinfatschbrunge, which all of it just means that we're either, um, what is that word? Apostates or um, runaways. I'm an apostate, you! Good job! Yes. Oh, okay, so so you know the whole thing about joining the Amish, like you're not Amish, but you want to join the Amish. This is this is the easy answer. Okay, is that you know you can follow all the rules and you can comply with the lifestyle and the belief system, and you can officially join the church if you put in the dedication and work that they want from you for this. However, if you're actually not genetically Amish, you will always be held at a different at, at a distance, and you will be treated differently. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's not a rush of conversion to the Amish lifestyle. No. And there's a social structure mm -hmm. where like, you know, there's, there's, what do we call it? The ladder, James? Like there's the people on the one rung of well, the ladder. And the these hierarchy, are, that's that's you know, those um, people. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm that Mary Byler. I'm going to let you know that. I'm right. that. <laughs> that, that guy. 
so it's almost like there's no desire to chronicle a history of your community that 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 extends outside of your community correct no well you know you know uh, a lot of times you know artists whether you're a writer or a creative person you know you need you need tools and you need mm -hmm. um, education and the Amish don't really have higher education. They don't have art class, you know? Okay. Okay. So there's like, there's, there's a lot of those sociological pieces that are missing to empower people to tell their stories, even if they wanted to. And then there's not really a desire to be understood by the English. Right. Yeah. Something that's that's like well that. said. I had not heard that said that way before. But yeah, there's not really a desire to be understood by the English world. Yeah, because I feel like some communities do want to be understood to an extent. Uh, here's the thing. This is what I tell people. Now you're uh, going to get the whole spiel. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so, yes, being Amish is a religion mm -hmm. and a way of life. And it's culturally my heritage. Mm -hmm. It's my child's heritage. It's affected my child because they not only shun me, they shun my child. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's harmful to my child and that's unfair because my child does not deserve to be shunned. Yeah. Yeah. My child's never done anything to deserve right, to be shunned. Right. Facts. Yeah. Um, but not only do they have all of those things, they're also a branding. Right. They're a business. Right. And it's all about the money. So they want the outside world to understand them enough to make sure that they can continue making money. There's mm -hmm. Amish people that are millionaires and billionaires. Like they're literally insanely rich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that can get it. They're, they're up here on the social structure. Like this ladder, they're all the way up here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Would you agree with that, James? I would, and I would also say that there's a lot of financial inequity among the Amish, and there's the haves and the have-nots, and there are some Amish that literally get by on what they make on their roadside stands selling vegetables. Mm -hmm. So there's not, there's not really a net of, like, social services at all? No. Okay. They go to the church and ask for help if they need help, and then the church will make sure you don't starve. But I can attest to that not being actual food yeah. with appropriate nutrients for growing children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that doesn't even seem like it should be the church's job, like, unless you have a nutritionist on staff. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like a the centrality of the church within Amish culture, right? Because Amish is more than just a religion. It's, it is a whole lifestyle, but it seems like everything kind of centers on and springs out of the church. Yes. Yeah. And so like, you right. know, the, the ministry will decide whether or not somebody can do something or like if the, mm -hmm. if the church can like go over here and talk to the, like if this member can go over here and talk to this person or mm -hmm. whatever, like they try to, there's an extreme level of authoritarian control. Did, this is a historical question. And if you are not, if you don't feel comfortable answering historian type questions, that's totally fair. But did, did, so Amish, like as a religion started in, you said like in like the area of like Switzerland and then came over to america it does it still exist in other parts of the world or does it just exist in america uh well it, it's okay so yeah the majority of um 
the majority of early Anabaptists immigrated. There are a handful that did not, and I believe that they are known uh, as maybe just German Baptists or something, but, you know, they're similar to what we, we would have as the Mennonites. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know if they follow a, a certain dress code, and I know that in Europe they have higher education, so there's probably some differences there. Um, I would just... There's a um a, a settlement of Amish on Prince Edward Island. Okay. Um, but for the most part, they're in the United States. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering what the interaction was between you know like conservative Anabaptism and Amish um, identity uh, when it came to like the idea of the separation of church and state. Uh, because in early church history, you know, like uh, Constantine decriminalized Christianity, and then, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the emperor after him, but the emperor after Constantine made church and state the same thing, right? Right. So but also the early Anabaptists were persecuted because, you know, they were the radical heretics. Mercilessly, from what I read, right? And they were, Well, they were persecuted by both the Catholic Church and other Protestants who felt that the Amish, the early, or the, the Anabaptists went too far. They were too radical. Yeah. So you got, so, so the Anabaptists and the Amish faith were essentially uh, getting hit from all sides in terms of like the Reformation. Cause uh, I was just recent, I did a class on church history this semester. So I can, I feel competent in having this conversation right now because it's fresh in my brain. But I was reading about, you know, like the Reformation and then the, the Catholic counter Reformation. And I was wondering if the Anabaptists were in either camp there or if they were general, genuinely just, we're, they're, they're just off this direction, you know? Well, um, you know, the, the Amish church was founded by one person, and that was Jacob Amon. Okay. And it, it, he, you know, he had a disagreement with other Anabaptists of the day over the issue of shunning, which he believed in, and they did not. Okay. If, if it was not for that disagreement, there would be no Amish. They would okay. be all Mennonite. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where that branch off of that part of the tree came from. Yeah. Yes, okay, yes. cool, cool. I was just curious as someone, like I said, as someone who's just like, genu- I'm genuinely just a nerd about religion and, and culture and how stuff forms into stuff, you know? Uh, and so it's really interesting to me. It's also really interesting to me that where I live in Western New York, there is actually like a large Amish population around where I live. Um, and I know nothing really Um I was born 12 miles south of Jamestown, New York. What? You're so, you were born so close to where I am. I'm only like 45 minutes from Jamestown. And I can tell you that that Amish community is really conservative. Okay. They're in line with the Swartz and Truber Amish community and the fact that they don't even have sleeves on their dresses. They used to have um, separate tops with sleeves that had the I, I just, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the skirts on the dresses had to have like three tucks on it, which I've never understood why you had to have three tucks on the bottom of it. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I could go on and on and on about the, the craziness of it. But anyways, my grandma lived there. She was great. She was amazing. Um, I've, I've often been told that I'm just like her. Aww. 
that there's yeah, so, you know, there's something Mary, so like that like so special Mary, Mary you know what they, you know what they say don't you dynamite three. comes in small packages no they say <laughs> they say three tucks no fucks <laughs> James <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. I love it. This part of the authentically queer and Amish part of this yeah. conversation. Like, yeah. you got to bring both. It really is. So let me tell you about my grandma a little bit, because this is funny. To me, it's hilarious. That, I'm ready. Because it was supposed to be an insult to call me like my grandma. Because hmm. her, she was my, my um, biological father's mother. Okay? Mm-hmm. And her and my biological mother did not get along. So, oh. Okay? My grandma was four foot 11. Mm-hmm. She had over a dozen kids. And she could make a grown man cry without lifting a finger. <laughs> she never weighed more than 100 pounds. Uh-huh. I, like from what I remember, she was this little, small little lady. But whenever I would do something, my egg donor would always tell me that to be any. And really, truthfully, that's a compliment when you think about it, because she was a defiant Amish woman. Mm, She wasn't supposed to. Like, I literally just sat in a conference where the question was asked, you know, why don't you have victims speaking at this conference? And they answered it by saying that men men were created first and women shall be silent. That's what it says in the Bible. Oh, the apostle Paul. That guy, man. Oof. So he gets all the attention, really. Oh God, I can't even with Paul. There's like, so much more to the Bible than just that. Well, then Paul. Oh gosh, There's so much more. Yeah, I mean, like, like Mary Magdalene was was. There's this strong evidence that she was like a disciple, and that that's just been cut off through church canonization processes, like. God is described as female at least 50% of the time. Like why? Oh man, the church is trying to cut off that, that matriarchal power, but your grandma was like, not today, Satan, but in, 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 in your, do you speak Dutch? Is that what you're Pennsylvania is that what, Dutch. Pennsylvania Dutch. I thought so. Okay. So in Pennsylvania Dutch, she said, not today, Satan. <laughs> not today. And also she's the one who brought me into this where she delivered me. Oh, that's so cool. Look at yes. that. You have some sort like look at there's there is a there is an Amish feminist queer streak coming through for you. Yep. Yep. Coming through. She well, used to do yeah. She used to do stuff that would like grossly like it would piss people off. Like my my parents used to get so mad because like we go over for Sunday dinners. And so you'd have like 12 families of like however many kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of them except two would have kids right um and so you'd have like a hundred kids running around and what grandma had is she had a candy room and she would line the children up outside of the candy room and we all got to go in and have a little time to select candy from grandma and she'd have a little conversation with us it was really just it's it's one of my fondest memories. Today. I love that. I love that. Uh, Look at that. I love that too. But it used to piss off our parents because now you have ten hyper kids, <laughs> right? Right, and it's just like exponentially more based on all the kids that are there. That's yeah. great. 
Well, friends, I have to I have to wrap up our session for today, but I am just insanely interested to see where your project goes. I want to ask um, just one last question: like, if there, if everybody that's watching was only going to remember one or two things, right? And I want both of you guys to answer this. What would you want people to remember from this conversation? Um. Okay. I guess I'll go first. Um, I guess I would want everyone to remember that the gay community is comprised of a lot of various groups, including the Amish, mm -hmm. and that we are all fighting and striving every day for equality. Yes, all of us together. Not, uh, like that is all of us. You cannot, you cannot be a, a proper queer and then try to disavow the other. Like that's just antithetical. Yeah we all exist and yeah. I think we all exist for a reason mm -hmm. and it's okay to embrace yourself and be proud of who you are and love yourself for who you are mm -hmm. and if you're creative please embrace that too because you know creativity can really give you a lot of joy and, and peace in life and yeah. help you figure out your spirituality too Absolutely. Yeah, I think that I think that that diversity is something that we should celebrate even within our own identities, right? Like, I am not just one thing. I am all of these things. And that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to cut off my hand to please my foot, right? Like I, I am a whole being, right? I love yep. that. Um, last thing I would like for you folks to do, if you could drop the information, James, if you could drop the information on your um, literature, and then also if you can drop the information on the podcast, just one more time, I'd like to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you guys and your work. Well, you can actually, you're going to be able to access videos through a YouTube channel. Okay. Or on Facebook, there's the Plain Rainbows Facebook page. Okay. Um, LGBTQ Anabaptist, uh, Amish and Anabaptist stories. And there's also a website affiliated with it is www.themisfitamish.com. Okay. Awesome. I well, will make sure. Oh, go ahead, James. Oh, I was just going to, yeah, just for me, my, my, my blog is literaryparty.blogspot.com. You can okay. find me on Twitter or Instagram at Queers Poetry. And yeah, uh, Plain Rainbows on Facebook. Awesome. Oh, one more thing. I forgot. It will also be uploaded to Spotify and all other like podcasts, a lot of podcast platforms. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. I will make sure to put all of that information in the show notes for this video, uh, like in the caption on Facebook, and then also in the YouTube and the podcast form, we'll make sure to get Thank all you. those links out. It's important work. And uh, I always say this about conversations, like we have to spread the word super far, because it's a smaller population that we're trying to reach. And so we've really got to saturate um, and get our like conversations and message out there as far as we can, so that we can reach those like honestly queer people who are isolated at the corners of their own existence and think they're the only one that's who we've got to get out to right uh the people that feel perpetually othered so i i look forward to helping you guys spread your podcast i love talking to both of you and thank you so so much for coming on the show thank you so much for having us Absolutely. thank you happy pride everyone yes happy, happy pride, pride. Almost our month. <laughs> Seriously, it's our part. No, I'm just kidding. We got to wait until June 1st. Yeah, right? We got to do right? it. We got to do, gotta it. do it. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. I look forward to hearing from you guys. I'd love to have you back on in a year or so just to see how this has grown because I have a feeling that 
it's a very needed and it's going to be water on very dry soil. So I'm excited to hear back from you guys and like in a little bit in touch base. So um, everybody thank who's you. watched, thank you so much for watching. I will make sure to share this information, all Mary and James's contact information on the conversations official page. And I would ask that you please do them the favor of liking and subscribing on every possible medium, because I know what a difference it makes to a new podcast and to a new YouTube channel. Um, subscribes, likes, and follows will get our message out there. So please, please, please go and follow Plain Rainbows. Also, we'll be back here every week. I'm going to switch our conversations to Monday evenings to see if we can reach a few more folks. So I will see you guys regularly for our regularly scheduled shenanigans seven days from now. Thank you so much. And please remember that everybody's voice is welcome at the conversation. Have a good night, Mary. Bye, James. We'll see you guys later. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.